Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me once again to the book of Titus, the book of Titus and chapter number two, Titus and chapter number two. We're continuing with our series of the pastoral epistles, and we are explaining and looking forward to the things that the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy about and to Titus about in these respective books on how these pastors and what they're supposed to instruct to the church people. As we've been covering in this part of, of the book of Titus and chapter 2, we've observed that the pastor is supposed to instruct the aged women how to behave so that way they can in turn instruct the younger women. Tonight we're going to see a little bit more specifically what are the aged women supposed to be teaching to the younger women. We find our way into the book of Titus in chapter number two, and let's start at verse number one. Titus in chapter number two and verse number one, the word of God says this, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they, become, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And if you're in the habit of make, marking things in your Bible, will you mark the people that are being addressed in tonight's message? In verse number four, uh, Titus chapter two and verse number four, notice the phrase, young women. Young women. With the Lord's help, we're going to see this idea that these young women and how they're addressed, these young women. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the privilege of letting us have your word, to be able to learn from your word and be able to see the instructions, the practicality, the knowledge, the wisdom that comes from your word. I'm asking that this would be a help to everyone that listens, that we would have a practical understanding of what you're getting across, and that perhaps someone could be helped, maybe as a younger woman or an older woman, to be able to prepare to teach and influence a younger woman. Thank you again for the way that you have set this up and the practicality of it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to the book of Titus, we saw that this morning that there was some instructions given towards the aged women, that they were supposed to know the truth, that they were supposed to live the truth, and then they were supposed to teach the truth. And that we understand that the principle of discipleship is discussed. The idea that one person takes another person and invests their life in them to instruct them, to help them. Remember, we described discipleship 
discipleship is developing the habit of obedience to Christ. Many of us who have raised children would realize how easier it would have been if somebody pulled us aside earlier and instructed us so we wouldn't make some of the mistakes that we made. To think about that if we just had the knowledge that we have now and to go back to when we were younger and to avoid some of the mistakes, to avoid some of the heartaches, to avoid some of the things that we reaped in ourselves and that we saw come out in our children. This is the principle here that it is the aged women's job, those who are mature in Christ, those that have some experience, to pull aside to invest into a younger woman, to earn influence with her and be able to go alongside and help her with the things that are going on in her life, to help her so she can avoid some of the pitfalls and some of the mistakes that often happen in marriage. Remember, when we're talking about these things, we're not talking about evil people. People honestly will do the best they can with what they have and with what they know. The problem is, is that some people don't know. We learn very quickly that when a child is born, they don't come with an instruction manual. How do you feed the baby? How do you change the baby? We know that many nurses are trained to uh, try to teach <laughs> the new mother how to feed the baby. They have courses of how to change the diaper. Because there are some ladies, believe it or not, who when they show up at the hospital have never changed a diaper before and do not know how. And let me tell you, a child is going to be, need more than a, than a diaper change. What do you do with a child when it gets to Walmart and starts screaming, Mine! Well, there's not an instruction booklet for that. They need help. They need practical help. What do you do when you get a teenager who stares at you and challenges you for control? Well, that wasn't in public school. You didn't have that in your geometry class. So these are practical things. Where does a young lady get the instruction? Where does she go to for these practical things she has for being a young mother, for being a young woman? Well, it is the aged woman's job. May I also take a pause that it is the aged woman's job and not the pastor's job. There's been many of a young man who got himself in trouble by trying to instruct a young lady when it wasn't his responsibility to do. That is an aged woman's job to teach a younger woman's job, not the pastor's. As you could tell, for practicality's sake, that's probably not a good idea. So what are the aged women supposed to teach to the younger women? Once again, let's hit verse 3 and then to start on verse number 4. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they, the aged women, may teach the younger women. Notice if you don't mind as we now go to this Bible list, and let's see these things that the aged women are supposed to instruct to the younger women. The first thing is the idea to be sober, that they may teach the young women to be sober. The word sober carries the idea of a seriousness, a wakefulness. It carries the idea that they are to realize their responsibility is a very serious responsibility. Can you think of another more important job than to raise a child? 
To think about what a child can become. To think about what a child can be. To think about all the potential that a child has. And it's not just one person's life you're now affecting. That child is going to grow up in his life or her life will be affected. And their life will affect many others. And there is a seriousness about this. That the aged women are to take the younger women aside and to teach them that they're not always going to be young and beautiful. And their children aren't always going to be young and hopeful as they are in early age, but they need to be instructed. There's a wakefulness to encourage them, to encourage them that the, that the younger women are supposed to take responsibility to wake up and develop their own walk with the Lord because one day their children will follow after them. We know that there's many kinds of influence. There's three major types of influence. There's the influence of content. That's what you teach. There's the influence of communication. That's how you teach. Then there's the influence of conduct. That carries the idea of who we are. Remember that when we reproduce ourselves, we don't reproduce what we want necessarily. We reproduce what we are. And so if you have someone who doesn't take life seriously, you're going to reproduce someone who doesn't take life seriously. If you have someone that doesn't have a walk with the Lord, you're going to reproduce someone that doesn't have a walk for the Lord. You understand a child will look at their parents and see the parents and who they are. They'll see how they walk, how they, how they deal with others. And an older woman is supposed to take a younger woman and a teacher to be sober. That what you have here with this child, what you have in this home is something serious. Yes, a baby is fun and there's a lot of things to it, but that baby's got to grow up. Part of what the older woman is supposed to teach that younger woman and the idea of being sober is that there's no more influential time, no more words more meaningful than when a woman spends time with her child. For a, a, a younger woman to be taught that every moment to teach spend with that child is influencing, helping that child. That a younger woman, and we all know examples, we don't have to point out examples, we all know examples of some lady who's more concerned about hanging out with her friends and partying, and the children seem more of an inconvenience than the responsibility that they are. And that an older woman is supposed to take a younger woman and say, no, this is a serious job. That you have more important things to do than go party. You have more important things to do to waste time. Your child is going to grow up. And now is the time to influence them. You understand that the children <laughs> in the first years of his life learn so much. More than we understand that they learn. To think about when a child learns to walk. You know, that's a lot of learning they have to do to walk and to learn how to balance. By a time a child speaks its first word, it already understands 2,000 plus words. That by the time a child is three, his personality is being formed. By the time he is age five, his personality is set. 
You understand? Those early ages, the golden years, is the time to invest and, and, and not to neglect the child, not to, not to think of it an inconvenience, but to understand those first five years especially are going to set the foundation for that child's personality, his life, and his structure. Again, if we were to take a pause here and ask people, how many wish you were told that when you were younger? I think we'd have a lot of people that said, yes, that would have been a help. To realize this is a huge responsibility. This is something that's important. That the aged women are to teach the younger women to be sober. To take their responsibility, to take life seriously. As we now come up to the next thing, notice this if you don't mind. In Titus chapter number 2 and verse number five or 4, that they, the aged women, may teach the younger women to be sober and the aged women to teach the younger women to love their husbands. Now that almost sounds kind of funny that you need to teach a younger woman to, to love their husbands, but we're talking about a practicality, not a feeling. We're not talking about how to have the beautiful butterflies and every time you see him, you see the cloud around him and the halo. It's not talking about how you perceive him. It's the idea of how to be practical to him. Because one thing we learn very quickly in a marriage is how selfish we really are. When you got to deal with someone else that's invading your space. Now, he may have looked like the perfect catch. Until you married him and a couple days later you realize that he throws his dirty socks all over the place. He may have looked great and may have looked like the perfect guy until you realize he's got some bad habits and some things that kind of annoy you. Maybe he's a loud chewer and you just want to strangle him. Shut up! Maybe it's the idea that, that he uh, makes inappropriate sounds in times you don't think is very appropriate. I'm sure no guy does that. You start to learn that, you know what? Maybe there's some imperfections in him. And then you learn he's in your space. I mean, you used to be able to do whatever you want whenever you want. Now he's there. And he doesn't go away. You can't send him home. He's already home. What do you do with him now? And the aged women are take the younger women and teach them how to love their husbands. The idea of a practicality. The idea that they are no longer selfish. They have to be selfless to love their husband. That you have to die to self. You have to be able to die to his annoying thing. Otherwise you're going to kill him. Otherwise you're going to come to the place where say hey... After five weeks, I'm done with this. Let's get rid of this marriage. Forget this. And we all know people who've done that. There has to be taught. How do you love your husband? How do you love someone that becomes unlovely after week number four? What do you do with this guy that you married and you realize that he has his own desires and his own way of doing things, that he actually has some things? You know, some ladies need to be taught that now that you're married, the only person you are to capture the eye of is your husband and not your coworker, and not to try to attract everyone else at the grocery store. 
And ladies need to be taught this. This isn't, this isn't common sense anymore. Has to be taught that your job is to make yourself lovely for him and him only. That he is the one that you need to please. You need to be, let young, younger ladies need to be taught to study their husbands. To learn what they like and what they don't like. To learn how to study him. To dwell with him according to knowledge. We know that's talking in the Bible about men studying their wives. But the same thing. You have to study him. Know what he likes. Know if, um, if you are the greatest baker in the world and find out that he doesn't like to eat any kind of goodies, what do you do with that? How do you readjust when all you know how to do is you know, make banana bread and cakes and now he doesn't want to eat it? Or he says he likes it, but then you end up with a whole cake to yourself. What do you do with it? That's a practical thing you have to deal with. To study him. What does he like? What does he not like? You know, any married lady will tell a younger lady this. There are some days that the husband is difficult to deal with. Then there's some days that he's really difficult to deal with. And you still have to love him when he's very, very difficult to deal with. You know that has to be taught. How do you deal with him when he is not lovely? How do you deal with him when he's crazy? And still love him as you made a vow to love him for sickness or poor, for richer health. And by the way, when we say those vows, when we say richer or poor, we're not thinking poor in our mind. When we say in sickness or in health, we're not thinking about the sickness. We think that they're going to be healthy all of their life. You know, there's something to it for an aged woman to take their, their um, younger women and to be able to teach them what happens when your husband is sick. What happens when he is broken? Are you the type of wife that's going to be able to wipe the snot off of his face when he's old and he can't do it himself? To take care of him when he's had surgery and he's drooling all over himself. Do you sit there and take pictures and laugh at him? Ha ha, you're looking at him. <laughs> you understand? In today's world, people don't know that. We've all seen the Facebook post of instead of taking care of the husband, they've made fun of him. That doesn't make a good marriage. It doesn't help things later on. Now, <clears throat> these are different things that need to be taught to a younger woman how to practically love. Now, I'm just generally talking about it. We know that people are individuals. Relationships are individuals. That is part of why an aged woman invest in a younger woman to be able to instruct her and to help her and to be a resource for her when she goes through those things, to be able to be taught how to do it rather than try to do the best you can and the best you can is to sharpen the kitchen knife and just to... <laughs> There are many people who, who are having marriages that don't have to be falling apart. But it's because they've never been taught how to love her husband. Notice as it goes on in verse number 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husband. Notice this. To love their children. Now, again... We come to the idea that that sounds like it should be natural, right? Rocking my baby. And you see the little baby and go, oh, 
But we're not talking about feelings again. We're talking about a practical commitment. What do you do when the baby has a dirty diaper? What do you do when the baby doesn't stop crying? What do you do when you take care of the baby all day and you feed him and clothe him and bathe him and do everything you can and the baby cries and the husband comes home and all of a sudden the baby's happy? What do you do? There's times that children do not make it easy to love them. <laughs> when they're two years old and they're staring at you, no, no, no. Or when every child gets this, when you tell them no and they're looking right at you and you say no and they do it anyways. <laughs> what do you do? It's not easy to love them at that time. You understand the idea to love your children goes more than a feeling. You know, we do live in a day where many women go to work and that's the structure we live in. But they need to be taught that your child should never feel like your career and job is more important than them. And that has to be taught. That has to be instructed. If you want your children to be loving people, you must love them. Someone gave my wife good advice before we got married. And it was this, that if we teach our children how to be a blessing to others, we'll enjoy them ourselves. You know, that was practical advice. But that was because someone pulled us aside and taught us that. Teach our children to be a blessing to others. That was practical help. And they said, we will enjoy our kids a lot more if we teach them to be servants. And we teach them how to be a blessing to others. We're thankful that someone taught us that. When you love your children, you guard their friends. You know, part of loving your child is to recognize that's a bad friend. No, you cannot be friends with them. And to be the parent. So many times, parents want to be their child's friend, but they don't want to be the parent. My wife and I, over the years, I don't know how many times we've given that phrase out be the parent. Be the parent. But I don't want to discipline my child. Well, then don't come to us. <laughs> we've, we've, had, we've had it all. We've had an eight-year-old uh, person come to us and say, my eight-year-old beats me up. Be the parent. I mean, but that's part of loving your child. If you love your child, you will discipline them. Whatever discipline methods you use, you have to be consistent in it, but they need that discipline. Because you love them, you will correct their behavior. That's part of loving them. There are some friends that you will guard and say, no, you may not understand that, but that your friend is going to hurt you. Part of loving your children is to capture their heart. If you love them, you, and by the way, that takes investment. That takes spending time. That gets to the place where you, they feel like they could tell you anything. Because one day, their questions are going to be very important. By the way, because you love them, you'll answer whatever question they are. Even if it is, why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Because one day, they're going to have more important questions. And if they don't feel like they could come to you to get their questions answered, they will go to someone else that you do not want answering their question. You understand, part of loving your children 
is that you have to cultivate their hearts so much that one day when they have decisions to make, they will go ask advice for you. Uh, Brother Summerdorf, who we have an, as an evangelist, he had a whole boatload of kids. And he used to say with, when he traveled with his kids that we've been talking about some of you in the church. You're kind of like, what? He said, yep. He says, they play a game that when they get back uh, from a meeting, they'll say, what do you think of so-and-so? Would so-and-so make a good husband? Why or why not? And they will evaluate. And that was part of they, uh, what they uh, did to cultivate their kids to get them used to talking about those things. So one day when they did find a spouse that they had potential, that they would talk to their parents. Because let me tell you something. Daddies will not fall in love with that guy. And he'll be able to discern whether that guy's a scumbag or not. And if the child is willing to trust the parents, they will rely on the parents to guard them from marrying wrong. But that's part of something that an older woman is to teach a younger woman, to take time. Even if you're tired and you don't feel like it, you have to listen to them. You have to let them jabber about nothing so that way they'll jabber about things that are important because they've learned they could talk to you. Because they can, that's part of what the older women are supposed to teach to the younger women. If you love your children, you have to teach them that they will be accountable. The worst thing that a parent can do is take away consequences. The worst thing they could do. And a lifetime of taking away consequences. And they call it protecting my child. No, you're not protecting your child. You are hurting your child. If they did something wrong, let them pay the consequences. Because if you protect them, they'll go out to life and they'll feel entitled. And they will wreck their life because they're not used to having consequences. But that's part of what an older woman is supposed to teach a younger woman. To because they love their, their children, they will teach them that there's consequences. There's accountability. This is important. To take time to teach the children these things. And by the way, it doesn't come naturally. It is something that has to be taught. This is how you discipline your child. This is how you instruct them. This is how you love on them. To have that reminder, doesn't matter what the question is, listen to them and answer it. Those things are things that, that we sometimes would think that's common sense. But when you're a mother who's trying to do the best you can and you haven't been taught those things, sometimes they don't enter in that, no, I do need to listen to them instead of saying, go ask somebody else because they will. If you don't mind, let's see something else. That's only two points into this. Let's see what else we can get. That are three points into it. We know, according to the Bible, that the aged women are to teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Notice this next one, to be discreet. To be discreet. Discretion means knowing what to say and when to say it. So many ladies don't have a filter, and so their children don't have a filter. You know, there are appropriate things to say and appropriate times to say them. 
and that they has to be taught how to have discretion. Some people allow their emotions to carry their words and they can't help. Their emotions drive them so much that they have no discretion when they speak and when they act and when they react. They have to be taught discretion. <coughs> Children should be taught there are things that are only supposed to be discussed in the privacy of their own home with things with those that love them. That's part of what a younger woman is supposed to teach the children. Hey, we're not going to talk to all the world about the things that happen in our house. We don't need to go tell them. When I taught in school, part of what the principal told the parents on, on the first day of school is that if you, don't believe, um, if you don't believe half of what the kids tell about us, we won't believe half of what the kids tell about you. Because a lot of kids aren't taught discretion. They get to school and they tell the teachers everything that happens in your house. And some of it doesn't need to be told. And there are some people we don't discuss things with. That's not appropriate to discuss things with. That's part of discretion. Knowing what to say and when to say it. <laughs> Along with this idea that talking about the idea of discretion is when to talk about things. You know, older women need to teach younger women that late at night is not the time to bring up to your husband the thing that's bothering you. Because next thing you know, you're in a fight, no one gets any sleep, and that doesn't help anything. There is an appropriate time to bring up something that needs to be taken care of. And there are inappropriate times to talk to someone about something. That's part of discretion. Dealing with the idea of discretion is when a child comes to talk with you about a serious matter and you're flipping about it. You, you put them off. You joke about it when they have something serious to talk to you about. That shows a lack of discretion on your part. That there are times that you need to listen to them. You need to say, hey, wait, they're trying to tell me something important. It's serious to them. I need to listen to them about it. That's part of discretion. And again, I'm giving general topics. This is part what of discipleship. An older woman pulling a younger woman aside. And they could be an older a woman in maturity in the Lord taking a younger woman who may be older in age, but a younger woman who in mature, it's younger in maturity in the Lord and trying to instruct her, trying to encourage her, trying to learn her and teach her about these things of life, how to behave themselves as a proper Christian lady. As we go on to the list, notice this, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to, live, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. Notice this, to be chaste, chaste. The word chaste carries along with it the idea of modesty. It carries the idea of the free from lewdness, which is uh, unleashed sexually. It carries the idea of modesty. It carries the idea, not only how we dress, but how we speak and the things that we do. It is amazing how some mothers allow their children to leave home. It's hard to imagine that that home is a Christian. I remember there was a time working in a hospital, and I was working with, um, with our folk, um, some co-workers, and we watched around the corner a young girl, she had to be about 10, 11, maybe 12, who is wearing a leather halter top. 
11, 10, 12. And wearing like this black miniskirt, 11, 10, 12. And we're like, who in the world would allow their child to dress like this? And then around the corner came mom wearing a matching outfit. That's not chaste. By the way, that's a lack of discretion there. But we live in that type of world where anything goes. People are not taught that there is an idea of modesty. There's an, we're living in a time where people are literally undressing all over. And they are fine with it. And we live in a culture where it's so accepted that this is something we have to teach again. The idea to be chaste. The idea that we don't have to flaunt ourselves sexually anywhere and everywhere. The Bible says that the older women are to be t talking to the younger women how they should talk to their children how to live a chaste life. You understand, when do you start teaching a child about modesty? At a very young age. By teaching them how to dress, how to sit. Lady, young girls need to be taught how to sit, how to sit properly. And that there are ways to sit. Those are things that you start teaching them at a young age. You may not be talking about the birds and the bees when they're young. But you start working with them. And you start molding them. and start. But that's something that has to be taught to a younger woman to teach her children how to live a chaste life. And by the way, you will battle this all the rest of your life. The ideas with your children. The idea of standards of modesty an identity and decency. Let me put it this way. That what we do in moderation, our children will do in excess, the next generation. So where we draw the line, the next generation always pushes the envelope. They always try to push it far. That is why we shouldn't be right at the line. We should try to bring it in knowing that they're always going to try to cross the bounds. Always going to try to cross. If we're already at the bounds, then they're going to go out of bounds. Does that make sense? This is part of what needs to be taught. The idea that what we do in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. They will go further. They will try to push the envelope. They'll try to uh, move things. And it's something we have to work with our children because you know what? Children sometimes have no clue what they're doing. I remember a young lady once <laughs> who was wearing an outfit where I felt like I had to put my hand over... <laughs> And just look at her face with my hand in front of me. And she looked at me with all innocency asking a question. I don't understand why everyone keeps looking at me. Because she honestly had no clue that the way that she dressed was attracting attention. We just live in that type of age where people don't realize these things. Remember that the best instruction we can give them is by our own godly example. That we live and give the godly example and let people follow. <clears throat> Again, with the idea of chastity, going back to what we covered before, the only person you should be worried about attracting is your own husband. Now, may I take a pause uh, right here and also say with this idea that sometimes people like to try to go out of bounds aged women this is something that you instruct to your own disciple someone that you've been influencing someone that you've been instructing this isn't something for you to instruct everyone in the world 
This is for the person that you have been given charge to influence, to work with, that you've been given permission to help with. Uh, the reason why I say that is some people take this idea here and make it their drumbeat and feel like they have to correct everyone else on it to the place where they're measuring hair length and dress length and the collar length. and That's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it that we're trying to aged women are to influence, teach younger women so that way they could raise the household that they ought to have. <clears throat> we have to teach them that this is a time to invest in someone's life to have an influence. Now the Bible goes on and explains the idea of modesty and identity in dealing with uh, unsaved husband and Second Peter or sorry, 1 Peter chapter 3, we're not going to turn there, but it says that if a husband who, who doesn't obey the word can be without the word, be won by the conversation of the wife. And that it is by uh, the meek and quiet spirit to God that is of great price, that the way that she lives her life, the way that she carries herself can be used to draw an unsaved husband back to the Lord or to the Lord. And so we're trying to teach them that how you live your life and how you carry yourself does matter. On the flip side of this, that the idea of modesty and identity, the idea of chastity to live chaste, that the idea of seedliness and homeliness doesn't have anything to do with spirituality. We know that there's some people who take the pendulum the other way and feel like that if they're going to be spiritual, they got to look as plain as possible, as poor as possible. They dress like they're, they're beggars and we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about how they carry themselves, how they dress, but the idea of homeliness and seedliness doesn't equate to spirituality either. That you should look well. You should do your best, but not immodest. Notice as we go on and see this list, the Bible says to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Keepers at home. Do you know that not every woman knows how to keep a home? Now, with this keeping the home, we all know that there's practical things of laundry, of washing dishes, of the idea of keeping house. By the way, men, help your wives. There's no law saying that they're the only ones. Every time you help your wife, it's a great encouragement. But this idea of keepers of home isn't just stuck with the idea of, of keeping house, but it carries the idea with it to make visitors welcome, to have the idea of hospitality, the idea of how to be a proper hostess, how to dwell with people. Do you know that there's something to it? There's some people that they can have a gathering of people and they don't know how to make their guests feel welcome. They don't know how to watch out to make sure that someone's not neglected. They don't know how to organize things in such a way that uh, nothing is missed. Some of that is practicality. To make someone, how to be a proper hostess. Or when you go to someone's house, how to respond to the people. How to be a guest. Because sometimes it's easy for someone to try to take over. You're not doing it right. Let me take over and show you how it's done. Well, that's not what we're supposed to do either. We're supposed to know our place. But some of that is taught how to have proper etiquette. You know, we've lost something about etiquette today or in today's world. This is something that an aged woman, woman could, more mature woman, could take a younger woman in the Lord and instruct them how to have proper etiquette, how to be keepers of home, how to, 
to work with these things. If you don't mind, notice with me another instruction here in verse number five. To be discreet, chaste, keepers of a home. Notice this, good. How to be good. Do you know that that's not natural? How to be good. What does this mean to be good? Righteous. How to live the way that we ought. How to not live a selfish life. <clears throat> they say that, or as I've been told, that after the first child, the woman realizes how selfish she is. Because the child needs lots of attention and the woman has to die to self and what she wants to do in order to take the child. They say for a man, it takes three children for him to finally realize how selfish he is. Because the woman can kind of take care of two, but that third one, that adds some, another uh, plate spinning on, the, uh, spinning on the sticks. And then he realizes, you know what? Now I have to help out. Now I realize that I can't always do what I want to do. But there is the idea that within a home that you can't always have your way. And how do you respond to that? Do you throw a fit and throw things? And yeah. Is there ever an appropriate time to throw a dish against a wall? Is there ever a time to slam doors or to punch holes in, the, holes in the wall? Is there ever a time to take a shovel and bash your husband in the head? <laughs> we may feel like it all sometimes, but there's an instruction here of being good. How to deal with things that aren't easy to deal with. Because no one has a perfect home. As much as leave it to beaver in the old days made it seem like it was possible, every home needs work. There's no such thing as a marriage that, is, that goes without work. That we just naturally love each other and we just naturally, we never have problems and we always do the same thing and we never have conflict. Never have conflict? How about this? Honey, where do you want to go eat? I don't know. I don't care. Wherever you want to go. All right. Well, let's go to McDonald's. No, not McDonald's. Subway. No, not McDonald's. Red Lobster. No, 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 no. Well, why don't you pick? I don't care. It's up to you. <laughs> Ever had that conversation? I knew a guy who set up a restaurant that says, I don't know. That was the name of the restaurant. So that way, whenever a husband said, where do you want to go? I don't know. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I think he made some money off of that. I mean, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be things that come up. <coughs> uh, I'm speaking to gentlemen now. I can't speak for the ladies' side, but I do know that there's conflict in the home and it has to be instructed. For example, honey, are you all right? I'm fine, which is translation that no, things are not fine. Oh, well, you said things are fine. I thought we were good. No, it meant you were going to die and she was holding her breath, holding her, biting her tongue. You know, those are things that need to be taught. <laughs> those little things there, but the ladies need to be taught how to be good. Notice as the list goes on in verse number five. To be discreet, chaste, keepers of home, good, obedient to their own husbands. There is a rebellious streak in every single one of us, and that rebellious streak does not want to obey. And to be honest, our rebellious streak always looks for reasons to rebel. Well, the reason why I don't have to obey my husband is because, well, he's crazy. You have to understand he's crazy. 
Well, you know, there's ways to deal with it, even though he's crazy. My husband is making bad decisions. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, you understand there's instructions. An aged woman is supposed to teach the younger woman how to be submissive even when her husband is wrong. When her husband is crazy. When her husband makes bad decisions. And by the way, the husband will be crazy. And he will make bad decisions. And he will be stupid. By the way, do you know that there's no rule in the Bible that says authority cannot be stupid? What do you do when authority is stupid? Well, that's part of what aged women are supposed to teach the younger women. How to respond. How to still obey their husbands when their husbands are stupid. That's part of what they need to be taught. And notice this wrap up here in verse number five. To be discreet, chaste, keepers of home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. You understand that the Christian home is one of the greatest evidences of a changed life. Because the neighbors hear you. As much as you don't think you're yelling that loud, you are. <laughs> your neighbors watch you and watch your house. You are in a fishbowl whether you realize it or not. And how you carry yourself and how your kids respond and how they act will say that they're a Christian and say that I'm a Christian. You know, the world is tired of hearing about a Christian. They want to meet one. And it's very hard to win your neighbors to the Lord when your own home is World War III all the time. Hey, I want you to have what we have. It is very hard to influence your neighbors if your home is not in order. But if your home is in order... And there's peace and your home is a sanctuary. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but it is different. And that your home is doing its best to serve the Lord. Your kids are happy in Jesus. You and your husband are, are, have things functioning the way that they ought to. The way that you carry yourself, people say there's something to it. The home is the proof. It is the practical experiment. It is the practical application that everything that we say is true. Because if you won't change at home, you're not going to change anywhere else. If you and your own home is messed up, it doesn't matter what you say. Your message has to be backed up by your life. And for you to say, I'm a Christian, the people will look at you and say, no, you're not. If your home is not in order. And part of what the home gets in order. Is that it doesn't get in order just by everyone trying their hardest. Because people are trying their hardest. For some of us in this room. Who haven't had the privilege of instruction like this. I can believe that I could talk with you and say that you honestly did your best. But sometimes our best was not enough. And that if some of us, if we had the instructions 20 years ago and was told and taught these things, our lives and some of our children's lives would be changed. And thus our grandchildren's lives. 
Sometimes the mothers don't realize that when they're raising their kids, they're also raising the parents of their grandkids. And that's important. And so these things are important. Now, we can't do anything about the past. All we can do is start from where we are and move forward. And we see the, the importance of discipleship here. The importance of having experienced, mature ladies in Christ who are able to take younger women to instruct them so that way they can have the homes that they ought to have. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.